Hello, hello, good afternoon. Um, we are, well, it's a Monday for a start because Danny and Bex are like super busy with Glastonbury holidays. Clients. Sports day, kids sports days coming sports up. Just, it's just mega. So because we like to stay on top of our podcast because we actually love it, we're doing it early today so we get an episode in for you. Yep, so go us. But we are doing a bit of a Q&A today, aren't we, Annie? We are indeed. Q&A. Yeah. Q&A. Because we actually both really like doing Q&As as well. Like, I find them I find them really interesting. And like, I love hearing what other people want our opinions or answers on. Um, so, yeah, side note, if you ever want questions answered, then just let us know so we can put them in our podcast. Because we do actually love doing them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, okay, let's just get straight into it. Let's go. First question is, do you want me to go? I can read it. How can I reduce cellulite on certain parts of my body? Oh, well. You this, go first. Yeah, this, and unfortunately, I'll just get straight to it. I'll just rip the plaster off. Okay, we can't, <laughs> we can't get rid of cellulite on certain areas. It is something that I think every woman in the world has it. And just some people have it more than others. Um, and the creams, the lotions, all of those kinds of things don't work. They're not going to be thing that's going to get rid of it for you. I think there are certain types of things you could do to maybe reduce the appearance of it. Like I remember a kind of dry body brush sometimes. Just, that's just purely for exfoliation because I can't like how I feel afterwards. But that does stimulate the area, doesn't it? To get a bit more blood flow into it, if I'm right. I might be wrong there. I'm not sure. That might be something I read actually and just totally fell for it. Um, but... There isn't anything that's going to get rid of it. Reducing your body fat will help. But again, like even after reducing body fat myself, I've still got the same cellulite in the same areas and it doesn't look hugely different. Slightly, but not hugely. It might look a little bit smoother, if that makes sense. I would say the same with me. Like I'm probably at my, I'm probably at my leanest with the amount of muscle that I have. Yeah. <laughs> um, with this level of muscle that I ever have been and I still have cellulite and that and it, in exactly the same place as when I was 10 kilos heavier yeah and so and yeah it is less pronounced because I but I think that's because I have more muscle so yeah. there's, there's a degree of um smoothing that can come when you have muscle because there's a layer of muscle um under those underneath the, the fat layer yeah. that, that smoothen out that appearance um yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because I know a lot, so many women struggle with this and, it, you know, it does come up. And I know, especially summertime, it's worse because shorts and skirts, yeah. and dresses. Um, but I honestly like, like, even I'll look in the, when, you know, I'm walking past someone or, you know, I'll know them, but like most people do have it. Like, I think oh, literally. Just we internalize it more than probably what it needs to be. We're the ones that are looking at it in that way of, I don't know, they look at a Kardashian and think, well, why don't they have it? But but then I'm like, well, they're photoshopped to the hilt as well. If you saw them, I bet you if you saw them in real life, they would have cellulite. Of like, course, like normal, of like course they would. Of course they would. And like, I think it's important to remember as well that, you know, we're always looking for opportunities to get rid of something that we've been told about yeah. by by media, by society, right? And it's sometimes you're just like, do you know what? What if 
we thought cellulite was as beautiful as we think freckles on women's faces are do you know what I mean you know how like people like oh those freckles are absolutely beautiful all we ever wanted was like well all I ever wanted was like have like a really freckly face and just like that or like Like, dimples that people have like yeah I've got two on my cheeks so they're like why do we look at it in such a negative way yeah and it's because well because I've been told to (laughs) We've been told to, yeah, literally. And so it's like, well, what, why don't we just start start by questioning who said it was bad to have it and actually understand what it is. So to understand what, and because and, men it? don't have it as much as women and there's a reason for that physiologically, right? So cellulite is basically, your skin is basically made up of, you've got an outer layer called the epidermis, right? Underneath that, you've got a layer known as the dermis. Um, and then you've got two layers of fat. So one of them is subcutaneous and women have more subcutaneous fat than men, right? So this is important to point out. Um, So subcutaneous just means beneath the skin. Um, And it is that first region of subcutaneous fat um, where you see um, cellulite form. And our fat layers there, so, these chambers are arranged vertically in women and in men it's a completely different it's um layered in different ways it's um it's crisscross whereas in women it's it's laid down differently these layers right and so there's this opportunity then for the fat to protrude in the way it's um laid out in women and that's what then protrudes into the dermis and you get this almost like bumpy appearance, right? Because you get these protrusions that are sticking into that dermis. And that's why you get these dimpling effects, right? Um, And the reason why men don't have as much of it is A, because they have less subcutaneous fat and B, because they lay down um, fat differently in their matrices. They also have more muscle, um, so they've got a bigger layer of muscle that kind of smoothens out the appearance of, you know, the fat. Um, and that's why women have it more. And so what you kind of have to be like is like, well, you know, when we're always asking, how do we get rid of cellulite? You kind of don't. Women do just have more cellulite in comparison to men. And it's just something we've got to deal with. And then, of course, the beauty industry took that and said, let's shame women about this let's make them like, let's make a multi-million dollar industry on them trying to get rid of it with liposuction and creams and yeah. injections and stuff like that. Um, and what, and why aren't we challenging that first and foremost? Um, we're used to thinking that, you know, we have to try and get rid of it rather than challenge it. And yeah. I'm pretty sure as well, that even if you like drop quite lean levels of, and like, you know, those, those fat deposit cells are kind of like gone when you start putting weight back on like they will fill back up again because it's kind of like you am I right in thinking you have a certain amount of them anyway and you, but when you're born like you're kind of like your those pockets that you have are already determined like so it doesn't matter what you do like it, it's kind of you're you're gonna have it from birth type of thing isn't mm-hmm. it like it's your it's in your it's in your body isn't it so yeah again yeah I kind of like feel a bit comforted by that just knowing that there is absolutely nothing I could have done to stop me having cellulite because if it was already going to happen because those those la- those layers were formed and you know that's how my genetics are then it's it's going to happen isn't it so yeah and and like I said I I remember spending a lot of money on creams and products 
hoping that it would make a difference. And I suppose placebo played a little bit of a part because I think, oh yeah, it does look a little bit smoother. It does, you know, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to go wasting thousands of pounds on these creams and products. But if there's one that maybe uses an all-over moisturizer and it's got like anti-cellulite thing and it's not ridiculously expensive, then carry on with it. If it makes you feel better for doing that, if that makes sense, rather than it being I'm buying this purely because I've got this Brazilian cream, right? That it says it helps smooth out like uh, cellulite. I don't believe that for one second, but the cream is really nice. It's mm -hmm. like a nice thick butter because my skin is really dry. It works really well on my screen. So I love that cream, but because of what it actually does for my skin in general, not for the fact that oh, it says it's good for cellulite, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's the point I'm trying to make on that one. Yeah. Um, and so I, think, I think there's this level of acceptance that comes yeah. from like all women have it. I think it's like 90, it's like 99% of women have cellulite, no matter how lean they are, like they still have cellulite, right? Um, and I think remembering that sometimes is quite, helpful um definitely it is because I, I you know I even have to call myself out because like I've got quite a bit of it on the backs of my legs and you know I'll put my shorts on and then I'll catch a glimpse of me in the mirror and I'll be like in the gym and I'll be like oh I'll have that instant thing where I want to put my jumper around my waist um so I've actually been challenging that a bit more this summer and being like no I'm not gonna do that I'm just gonna let it go and um, because the woman right next to me she's she's got it as well the woman and like so yeah, it's very much, I think we have to embrace it now rather than try and beat ourselves up over it or spend thousands of pounds trying to get rid of it because, yeah. and I'm yeah. sure I think liposuction, I'm sure it comes back. Not um, much, but I'm sure some of it comes back. I don't think you ever get rid of it. No, um, liposuction really doesn't like help with that at all. Like in the research, it does it actually there was some reports of it worsening the dimpled appearance of skin mm -hmm. in quite a few studies um so it's not actually recommended as a treatment for cellulite um yeah okay to, yeah the other health impacts of liposuction well yeah there are that as well that's another topic for another day we'll go into that yet yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i guess the thing with cellulite is try and embrace it and just know that every woman in the world has it and it is only you that is hyper-focusing on it. Like nobody else is probably even noticing it on you at all. Because mm -hmm. I doubt when I meet Annie, she's like, oh, Bex, look at the cellulite on your legs. Like she's just laughing because I'm with her and we're having great fun. Yeah. And I think this is the thing is this is where like body image and body appreciation, body gratitude comes in as well. And starting to shift your focus away from the way your body looks towards what can your body do? And like practicing some of those things as well, because that helps. And also... I think often when we have judgments around ourselves, I think a lot of the time we also have judgments about other people's bodies or we're also looking at other yeah. people and immediately seeing them as a body to be critiqued. I've literally just been having a conversation with a client about this and like, okay, if you can't be kind to yourself here or change the commentary on you for the minute, can, can we just catch when we're doing it to other people? Mm. So when you're, when you're watching a, a, a movie or you're watching, we were talking about the white Lotus, but like, and you're judging people's appearance and how like quote unquote skinny this person is and how this person's body, why do we do, why are you going straight to body? Can you challenge that and actually start thinking about, you know, and I do this when I'm people watching as well. So mm -hmm. I used to be constantly in state of comparison because all I'm looking at is, oh, she looks good. Uh, look yeah. at her, look at that, look at that. Bodies, bodies, bodies. 
I was like, we are so much more than our body. And it's like, now, now I get to the point where I'm annoyed. If someone comments on my body, like, especially if it's a man, I'm just like, yeah, what about my brain? What about my intelligence? What about this? What about that, right? I'm very good at doing that now. But it's like, why aren't we doing that with each other? Because it's going to help that inner dialogue for you if you start challenging it when all you go to is someone like the appearance of someone's cellulite or the appearance of someone's body or their body fat levels. What about who they are as a person? What about what they've achieved in their life? Like, what about what the kind of day that they might be having? Can you start thinking about that instead and just start challenging this, the narrative that you have in your own head? I think that can be quite helpful as well. Well, there you go. There's an extra little tip for you to try this week, ladies. Um, okay, the next one. This one is around cheat meals. So what are the benefits around cheat meals? I see coaches often saying, oh, or, you know, people that are coaching, I'm having a cheat meal this weekend, or I've got a cheat meal um, coming up in 10 days time. So what are the benefits of having cheat meals? I'm like, yeah, so cheat meals really are just a higher calorie day. And it's just something that I think the industry has it's been around for years, hasn't it? From kind of like if you're on a strict kind of diet and then you get to have a a meal of your, well, even a meal or a day of your choice of eating whatever you want. So then the word cheat came because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not on my restricted diet. I now get to have a free for all and eat whatever I want in this 24 hour window, for example. And then they, it was like, that's your cheat day. You can do whatever you want in that time because that's, that's your window to do it. Because then 24 hours after that, you have to go back to being very restricted. Um, so it remind, Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of intermittent fasting when people say, oh, you can eat what you want if you just eat between the hours of 10 and 6. Yes, I was in the hair just the other week and I was, Lisa, we were talking about intermittent fasting. It was like, but do you know what? It's great because I can literally eat whatever I want between the hours of like 12 and 8. And I was like, no, that <laughs> really isn't the concept of it whatsoever. You cannot eat whatever you want. And I, di- I didn't then because they were like, I wasn't getting involved in it. Um, But I, they were too old. They were little old ladies doing that. And I was like, oh, bless them. They're not going to understand where I'm coming from with this. Yeah, no, they're not. Um, <laughs> so yeah but yeah, exactly that it just comes from that thing that basically you're the benefits of having well I wouldn't say there's any benefits of calling anything a cheat day but you get a refeed or a higher calorie day just to kind of like pick your overall calories up over the week if you have been aggressively dieting so they even out so you've had an x amount of calories overall throughout your week and most people tend to want to diet hard for maybe six days and then come the weekend they have one higher day and then have a bit more flexibility. But again, the word cheat is kind of like the stupidest word in the world to use for it. Yeah. I we, think- yeah. I mean, go on. And that's the thing like, you can absolutely, there's a better word than manipulate, but you can manipulate your calories to, let's say you are a big socialite, right? And you, you're, or you're away on the weekend or whatever. You can absolutely reduce your calorie target between Monday and Thursday in order to kind of allow for a bit more calories and a bit more space on that weekend where you're socializing or if you are a big socialite but that doesn't necessarily mean you're restricting and then going all out and binging and going on a mad one it's still very you're being very intentional with it but the intent is different in comparison to for example I'm going to restrict all week I'm going to be as good as I can um you know I'm going to be on my best behavior and then I can and then I can afford to be bad or I can afford 
um, the cheat meal on on Saturday Sunday and it's a really unhelpful space to be in because essentially you're still assigning morality to food and it's yeah it's just not ideal because when you deem yourself as cheating what are you cheating on like you know we're talking about sustainable fat loss we're talking about nutrition for the rest of your life we're talking about habits that set you up for results that last and so there's no cheating in that and I, mean, I, I often think about it in terms of a relationship as well. Exactly. Like if you're talking about cheating, like, or, you know, be, do you know what, when I used to think about my, any friends that I ever had at uni who were like, almost like planning who they were, I don't even know what kind of realm this was in, but like, like planning who they were cheating with or being very discreet with it or whatever. It reminds me of that. And it's like, well, you know, for a fact that relationship is not going to last. And so think the same about when it comes to your fat loss goals as well. Like if you feel the need to cheat on it, that sound sustainable does that sound like long-term relationship goals um (laughs) because again the other thing as well that goes hand in hand with that is that you also then go and pick all the foods like that that you will deem as bad foods quote unquote so it will be like i'm gonna have a pizza i'm gonna have ben and jerry's other ice cream guy babel and four other pizzas if i get told you know what i mean like you're gonna go and have those types of food which automatically make you think well i can only ever have them if i'm being naughty or if i'm (laughs) You know, and it, it, that's not the case. Like, we all know that calories are calories. They're not all created equal, but you've got to be sensible around how you use them when you're dieting. So if you want to, a diet a bit more aggressively in the weekdays to allow more flexibility on the weekend, that's fine. Go and do that. But just say that's what you're doing instead of having it as I'm doing this and then I'm doing this. It's just, no, I'm just manipulating my calories, like you said, to make it work so I can live the life that I enjoy, which again, which is sustainable. It's more long-term. Yeah, and you're going to, then gain the results that you want rather than starting and stopping or feeling and again this leads into the next question about maintenance because if you live a bit of a diet life where it is quite restricted on calories and then you have one higher day when you do go into maintenance calories it's really hard to kind of like come out of that way of thinking and that space of like oh right well now what do I do you tend to go all out at maintenance then because you feel like you've got so many more calories to play with when in theory, you might not have that many in the grand scheme of things in the total week of your your actual calories. Um, so yeah, basically, let's not call things cheat meals. And if you want to work out how to have higher calories in your weekdays, then just work that out. And then you just say that's what it is. You're just allowing yourself to have more calories on a weekend because that suits you better. Yeah, and I think it's thinking about what you're foregoing when you have that set up um, in terms of that means that you're not, you're being quite rigid then with the rest of your days and maybe you're still in that path where it has to be I have to be all out healthy and I've got this one day where I can be completely unhealthy like that's not a helpful place to be and what you're doing then is you're not allowing foods you're not practicing unconditional permission to eat there because there's a condition to be met for you to have that cheat cheat day and it's like that's when you're going to get into guilt and shame and end up restricting after and you're going to be in like an awful place when it comes to food I mean not not everyone might be but a lot of people especially the women that I guess listen to this tend to have come from that background of it's been restrictive and then there's been like a cheat meal or something given and then it's like well that's how they see that how their weeks and weekends need to be yeah and it's always like and then people struggle then what happens then if if your friend has her birthday meal you know on a Tuesday at a burger joint 
what do you do in that situation do you end up being completely preoccupied by the fact that you can't have burger because your cheat day is on friday um and actually you don't know how to be mindful and inclusive of certain foods and be mindful of your goals when you're out on a tuesday and having burgers and fries and often this is what someone that's come from like the cheat mentality background this is what i will often do with them is is and we what are the foods that you used to eat on that cheat day right what are the foods that were saved solely for those days and can we practice eating them on a tuesday on a wednesday in small amounts and still be mindful of your goals because it's about practicing moderation and mindful inclusion of these foods into an all-round healthful or fat loss diet that's completely possible and i would rather that than be existing in this state of meal life i used to do that i used Mm -hmm. to have so did I. So did I. Every Saturday night was, oh, I get to have a cheat meal now. Yeah. Um, and it was always take out. It was because I was like, well, I can't have this for another seven days now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like it's yeah. So um, I think a lot. I think a lot of it is trust. Like people that from that background as well, they don't trust themselves right. to. A lot because... of the people I work with don't trust themselves around food. Yeah. Those of them don't. And it, and again, that's the other thing I'll do actually when they are having sort of like, I call them like untracked meals. Um, then even I, I specifically ask them not to track meals like an Indian takeout, a Chinese, um, anything like that, because I'm like, I want you to just be okay with, you've chosen to have that. So I want you now to work out how you feel after it, how full you are using all of those things. So I actually get them to like, I don't want you to track those meals. I want you to use them as an untracked evening meal um, and work back from that. Um, but again, let's go. That's that's that question. So, yeah, I feel we've answered that quite well. <laughs> Good I think, I feel we <laughs> What's the last question we have? <laughs> the last question is how to navigate maintenance post diet on your own without the support of a coach. Ooh, this is again like I think maintenance again is underrated. Like we're all so focused on the, the fat loss and that I'm doing all of that that we forget that maintenance is quite hard to it's quite a hard thing to do because maintenance when you're at maintenance like there's nothing changes. It's just your days are the same. Like you, it's very there's nothing. You know when you're dieting or you've got something you're aiming for, or a, I don't know, a, a competition or a like I don't know a marathon or something like that. You're you're aiming towards something, aren't you? Whereas when it's maintenance, it is just that mundane, everyday stuff. Um, and I think that it's quite easy to get caught in the trap of thinking, oh, that extra biscuit's not going to hurt because I'm at maintenance now. And you, you feel that you've got like these loads of extra calories to play with when in reality, sometimes you may only have like an extra three, 400 calories to play with. And that mm-hmm. is literally maybe two biscuits a day. And then and it's so easy to get caught up in that whole but I'm at maintenance now. I've got all this flexibility to be able to like, kind of like do it all. So it's a tough one. Like, what would you say to to answer that? I'd say if you were tracking on your fat loss phase, then I would keep tracking into maintenance and okay. just establish what that looks like for you. If you're not tracking, then I would often do this um, in terms of just gauging why this alarm keeps going off on my phone and I don't know what it is and I can't turn it off. Um, but I would then, you know, gauge that based on, okay, what, you know, what were we doing in terms of what did your meal guidelines like and your structure look like in terms of um, when we were doing fat loss and what does an extra, like you said, three or 400 calories roughly look like in terms of meal components and snacks here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's kind of what we're aiming for. But I think that post diet maintenance, that starts at the beginning of your fat loss phase. That starts with the habits that you're implementing. That starts with your mindset around food. And like we've just been speaking about practicing food neutrality. There's no such thing as good or bad because when there's such thing as good or bad or cheat or treat or whatever, that's when, or even unhealthy and healthy, right? That's when you disappear down, you know, I've finished my fat loss phase now. So I'm done restricting. Now it's kind of like, okay, here I go. And then that's when you fall back into into these, the yo-yo cycle, right? And actually practicing that starts at the beginning of your diet. Um, yeah. Agreed. And also, like I like we said earlier on, like just having those maybe audit weeks where you do go and track, but like I definitely wouldn't come out hmm. of track and then think straight away, I'm not going to track. I, I know how to do it all because you you do need to see that things aren't drastically different. Um, and working those things out and, and again like the portion sizes like what does it actually look like then what does this now I don't know my 500 calorie dinner now going to like a six or 700 calorie dinner what does that look like because it's not going to be that much more like we are and it's because we always think oh my gosh I'm amazing. I can eat this is I can have the ice cream I can have this and all that and it's like no you need to be careful so definitely if you're tracking and- keep tracking your maintenance calories and then I would also I kind of do this myself every few if I start to feel like I think things are slipping and I am being a bit careless and I'm just having the biscuits here, there and everywhere, I go back and do an audit week where I'll do another two weeks of like, right, let's go back to tracking. What am I eating? See what it looks like. Right. I'm having, I know I'm having too many biscuits and not enough of the other thing. So I need to twist that round a bit more again. I'll find that balance and then I stop it again. Um, so I think if you have yeah. that approach, those things are quite useful to bring back in along yeah. with reminding yourself, like you said, at the beginning, Fat loss, this all starts at the beginning, your habits and your behaviors, because the scales are going to, if you're weighing in maintenance, which I don't think you need to do every day and after kind of like you come out and you know where you're kind of going to be, because they're going to go up and down a lot. And it's that mindset then of, oh, they've gone up, now I need to diet again. But if you're committing to a maintenance phase, then commit to it and be okay with those numbers jumping up and not automatically revert. I've messed up now because they're meant to stay at this number because your maintenance weight isn't going to stay at your lowest fat loss weight if you think about you know if you've been dieting with one of us right your fat loss graph looks like a bloody up and down spiky yo-yo which generally trends down right if fat loss is being successful and it's the same with weight maintenance like it's going to look like a spiky spiky line but it's going along the same rough average (laughs) right um and like that might change a little bit with seasons of your life as well. You know, it might just nudge up a little bit and then it like naturally might just come down again as different seasons change, right? And I think it's not freaking out. Um, but again, if you do feel like it's going up faster than usual or you know that actually, oh, do you know what? I've, I've just not been that focused on X, Y, and Z and some things have slipped, in which case, yeah, like you said, go back for, an, for the audit week. Um but I think it's important that you're practicing mindful inclusion of all these foods. You're being flexible when it comes to dieting. You're not trying to be all or nothing all the time or trying to be perfect. Yeah. That you've done all of that work during your fat loss phase. Yeah. Cause that is going to make maintenance a whole lot easier as well as, you know, working on like your body image and stuff like that. So you're not being impacted by. You've got that. to have tools in your toolbox as well, which is another thing that, if you're kind of like you're going into maintenance and you've not really been coached through anything, 
then again, look into those kinds of things. So if you, I've actually done a post about this, about like, you know, stress eating and like when you're, you've got so many things on your plate and you don't know how to juggle them all. And the first thing you might do is your, your learned behavior is to reach for food. Then mm -hmm. that can be heightened quite a lot of maintenance because you also think, well, it's okay now because I've got this extra calories to play with. So I've got a bit more flexibility. And it's kind of like calling yourself out when you're feeling that again, going, oh no, when I was dieting, I knew I needed to learn these things to stop me using food as a thing. So again, you need to remind yourself that, oh no, I can't do this at maintenance either. So everything that you kind of learn in a fat loss phase, you have to keep going forever mm -hmm. in a maintenance phase because that's mm -hmm. how you maintain your results. Um, I often say as well, like when you come away from tracking, like tuning in, especially if we've done a work, a lot of work on fat loss with the hunger scale and yeah. finding that sweet spot where you're not allowing yourself to get super, super ravenous to the point where you overeat. You know, we I'm usually helping my clients sit between that that sweet spot of, you know, initiating eating when you're hungry and stopping with a little bit of room when yeah. it's fat loss. And then once they've tuned into those hunger and appetite cues and fullness cues, once we've done a lot of what that's a tool in itself, right? Because you can take that anywhere. You can take that on holiday with you. You can take that to your meal out. You can use it at home, right? And then with maintenance, it's just like, okay, so actually what this looks a bit more like is you're more like a seven out of 10 on the hunger scale when you stop eating, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're still not going to let you get to that point of being absolutely ravenous where you struggle to be mindful and you end up mindlessly shoving loads of food in your face at the kitchen. That is still a habit that you maintain to help you maintain a healthy weight after, right? Um, but this time we're not we're not stopping with a little bit of room left. We're, we're stopping a bit higher, actually honoring hunger a bit better now. Yeah. Um, and that's something to kind of like bear in mind. And again, these are all tools that we establish with our clients at the beginning of a fat loss phase. It's not something that we start doing into a maintenance phase. We just solidify all of this and remind them of, of this when we enter that and almost like get them to see that actually they can absolutely do this. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, because the goal is spend their whole life going yo-yoing. Yeah, exactly. And then you want to get to this point that we are literally the last coaches that you ever need. So... If you enjoyed this podcast, we are going to wrap it up there. Um, we are we will be back next week. But as usual, please like, rate and review us. And please share us with anybody who you feel would love us too. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram, as always. Thanks very much. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Bye.